I want to spend just a few minutes today talking to you about investing in your future. What if I told you today that I had some sound biblical advice, some good news that could change your marriage, that could change all of your relationships, that could change your job, that could change your financial future. Would you be interested? What if I told you that I had some good news that could change your relationship with God? Would you be interested? Let me illustrate this way. War is expensive. World War II was very expensive. The United States spent about $300 billion on World War II, which in today's dollars would be $4 trillion. And back during that time, they encouraged people, you could buy some war bonds. I mean, they pushed it hard. For $18.25, you could get a $25 war bond. In other words, 10 years later, you could have $25. Now, remember, we're in World War II times. The money that you invested went to buy tanks and uniforms, and it helped fund the war. And what they pushed was, you can invest in your country. If you give to a war bond, you're giving to your country. But not only that, you're giving for your own financial future. And you're thinking, eighteen twenty-five, I get $25 back in 10 years. If you do the math, you made 2.9% quarterly. Back in that day, that sounded pretty good. Today, it still sounds pretty good to get 2.9% on your money. They had everybody pushing this. You could find posters of Uncle Sam. You could find a soldier on the battlefield. They had Bob Hope. They had Frank Sinatra. They had Betty Davis. They had Batman. They had Superman. They had everybody pushing, hey, will you invest in our country? Will you invest in your financial future? They pushed it hard. And as you know, many Americans bought more than one $25 bond. They bought a lot of $25 bonds. And they invested in the country, they gave to the country, and they gave for their own financial future. When you spend time with a child, you're investing in the future. When we have our young people participate in worship, we're investing in the future. When we go to school and study, we are investing in the future. There's a lot of ways that you can invest in your future and change your future, but today... I just want to give you one way, one thing you can do. One thing you can do that will change everything about you. And it's good news. It's what Mark says. We're studying in the Gospel of Mark, and I don't know, we're seven or eight lessons in, and there's so much good news in the Gospel of Mark, it's tough to just blow on through. So I'm going to go back here today in just a little bit. But Mark tells us the beginning... This is the very first verse, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the word gospel, the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news. Not good news about the Roman Empire, not good news about the Roman Caesars. It's good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so I'm going to jump back a little bit today in Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to talk about some good news in Mark chapter 4, and we're just going to focus on one verse, one little phrase in a minute, but let me give you a context. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is going to start telling some parables. And here's how Jesus would tell parables. He'd be walking along with his disciples, and probably if he saw something going on, he would use that as an illustration. So he's probably walking along, and he says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. More than likely, there's a farmer out sowing his seed. Now notice what Jesus says. He starts out and he says, Listen, 
Pay attention. Now, when Jesus is speaking, you'd think you'd listen anyway, but when Jesus says listen, it's like, okay, I, I really need to pay attention. And he tells this story about sowing seed, and some fell along the path, and some fell along rocky places, and some among thorns, and some on good soil, and the good soil came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, even 100 times. And Jesus said, listen, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is saying, listen, I I want you to pay attention here to what I'm saying to you. And then he tells another parable. He said, you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or bed. Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Again, for the second time, third, if you count the listen, Jesus says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He goes on. And he says, consider carefully what you hear. I get the impression Jesus wants us to listen. Pay attention. I've got some stuff that will change your life. Jesus has got some good news because Jesus is the good news. And he goes on and he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Interesting language there. With the measure you use. With the standard of measurement you use, that standard of measurement will be used with you. Very interesting language. That was in our scripture reading today in Luke 6. Do not judge or you'll be judged. Don't condemn. You'll be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Given it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, whatever measure it is that you use, That measure is going to be used back with you. Interesting language. The exact same Greek language that we just read in Mark chapter 4. It's kind of interesting. It also appears in Matthew 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way, the same standard of measurement, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's the same measure principle. Whatever measure you use in all of your relationships, whatever measure you use in all of your investments, whatever measure you use in your relationship with God, that same measure is going to be used with you. Interesting. Now, i got a picture up here of a tape measure. That's a standard of measurement. It's kind of interesting. You can go pretty much anywhere... And that same standard of measurement will be used. If you want to build a house in California, that same standard of measurement will be used if you want to build a house in Texas. The one inch that they use in California is the same one inch they use in Texas. If you want 10-foot ceilings in Oklahoma, you're going to have the same 10-foot ceilings in Florida. Weather's probably a little nicer in Florida, so you might want to move there instead. But the same standard of measurement is it doesn't matter where you go, where you build, what you build, the same standard of measurement is going to be used. Now, we like that. It's beneficial. We like that because it's right. We like that because it's fair. If your banker gives a low interest rate on a loan to somebody else, you want him to use the same standard of measurement when you go get a loan. When a teacher is grading your test, you want the teacher to grade everybody's test the same and use the same standard of measurement. When you apply to college, do you want the admissions office to use the same standard of measurement as they look at all the students? When the highway patrol pulls somebody over and gives them a warning, you want him or her to use the same standard of measurement with you if for some reason you as a Christian, 
I don't know why would be speeding down the highway. Just saying. We understand the concept of the same standard of measurement. And Mark says, listen, that's good news. The same standard of measurement principle is good news. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You get to decide what that measure is. God says, look, I'm not going to tell you here's the standard of measurement. I'm just saying whatever standard of measurement you use, you're going to get the same return on your investment. So if your standard of measurement is to be judgmental with everybody, don't be surprised that everybody's judgmental with you. If your standard of measurement with people is grace and acceptance, don't be surprised that everybody uses grace and acceptance with you. You've heard this before. It kind of sounds like the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. In other words, treat other people with the same standard of measurement that you want them to treat you. If you could sum up the law and the prophets, if you could somehow put the law and the prophets on a calculator, if you could somehow do some addition, it would add up to this. Treat other people with the same standard of measurement that you want them to treat you with. I like the way it reads from the message. Here's a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Same standard of measurement. Now, with the same measure you use, it will be used with you. Now, here's the good news. This will change your future. This will change your relationships. This will change your financial situation. Let me illustrate. Let me start with your marriage. If you're wondering why your spouse is not treating you the way you want to be treated, take a look in the mirror and chances are the same standard of measurements being used that you're giving out. Let me talk about your children. If you're wondering why your children snap at you and are harsh with you, then look in the mirror and chances are they're using the same standard of measurement that you're using with them. Let's take a look at your job. If you're wondering why people at work don't like you and talk badly about you and are unfriendly towards you, then take a look in the mirror. Chances are the same measures being returned to you. The same standard of measurement is being used. Do unto others as you would do unto them. Take a look at your finances. Some of y'all are looking at retirement years and you're wondering, why don't I have any money in my retirement? Because you didn't invest any to get there. It's interesting how with little to no investment, we expect huge returns. Some of y'all are wondering, why is my credit card spending out of control? Because the same measure you're using illustrates your financial situation. How can you expect a return on friendships and relationships and marriage and children and finances when you're making no investment to begin with? Now, let's keep going a little bit. Let me illustrate that word give to you. Give and it would be given to you. That word give in the original Greek, 90% of the time that it is used in the New Testament, it's used to illustrate what God gives to us. Everything about Christianity, everything about our religion, everything about our faith is illustrated by what God has given to us. Let me see if I... Did I put some verses up here? Grace and peace to you. From God, 
Where did it come from? From God, who gave Himself for our sins. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave Himself as a ransom for all men. Whoop. I took a verse out. I guess we didn't need that one. Um, let me ask you a question. This same measurement principle applies with your relationship with God. How do you define or describe your relationship with God? What standard of measurement do you use to say, my relationship with God is okay? I mean, Jesse in his prayer today talked about how we need to give because God's given to us and we need to give cheerfully and we need to give unconditionally. That's what God has done for us. But how would you define, how do you illustrate your relationship with God? What standard of measurement do you use? I mean, is it your time? I give X amount of time to God and that illustrates my relationship. That's my standard of measurement. I give X percent of my time. Is it your talent? Whatever talent God has given you, do you use your talent to say, you know what, God has given me this gift, this talent, and so I use X amount of my talent to illustrate my relation. That's the standard of measure. Is it money? Do you define your relationship with God based on the amount of money you give? I love God this much, and that's the standard of measurement I use. You see, whatever standard... God said you get to decide. Whatever standard of measurement you want to use with God, God's going to use the same standard of measurement. Let me use this verse, Malachi 3. God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God says, all right, listen. Anything you give to God, you're going to get a return on your investment. Anything. But God says, when we tithe, when we give 10%, when the standard of measurement is a tithe is 10%, He says, put me to the test. I'll open the floodgates so much that you won't be able to store the blessings that I'll give you. There won't be room enough for the blessings I give you. If the standard of measurement when it comes to money is a tithe, God says, just get ready. I'm going to flood you. The same measure you use with me, I'm going to flood you. Now, just in case you're wondering, this isn't a sermon on money. It's a sermon on what do you want your relationship with God to be? If you're wondering how come God's not blessing my life, maybe you could take a look at how much you give to Him. Like Jesse said, do you give unconditionally? Do you give cheerfully? Or do you give grudgingly? Or do you give as little as possible? You know what? If you come... If you live to get, God says, you will lose. If you live to give, God says, I'll make sure you receive. If you come to worship just to get, you're going to be disappointed and you will lose. If you come to worship to give, God says, I'm going to bless you for being here today. Now, I like the way Jack Exum always illustrated the same measure principle. He would say it this way. If you use a spoon to show your relationship to God, God, I'm giving you this much, God says, with the same measure you use, I'm going to bless you in return. Let me borrow your spoon, and God says, I'll bless you back with a spoon, whatever that amount is, whatever that blessing is. If you decide you want to use a measuring cup, God says, let me use the same measure you're using, and I'll use your measuring cup to bless you in return. If you decide you want to 
give to God with a wheelbarrow. Just to illustrate, God says, let me borrow your wheelbarrow. If you decide to give with a tractor with a big front-end loader, God says, let me behind the wheel and let me bless you with the same measure that you are using. If you decide to get behind one of those big, huge pieces of machinery they build at Laterno, God says, let me show you how to drive one of these. I will bless you in return with the same standard of measurement. Do you get the picture here on the same standard of measurement? If you want your relationship with God to be different, look at the standard of measurement that you're using in giving to God. If you want your marriage to be different, if you want your children to be different, if you want your work to be different, if you want your life to be different... Look at the standard of measurement that you're using. It's a biblical principle. You remember in Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unmerciful servant, and the one servant decided, you know, I'm not going to forgive the same way I've been forgiven. Jesus says, if you choose not to forgive others, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. So if the standard of measurement you have with other people is, I'm not forgiving you, I'm going to hold a grudge, and I will remember that forever. God says, let me use that same standard of measurement. And you're wondering why God is not forgiving you? It's a biblical principle. When you get to Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus said, when you see me hungry and thirsty and in prison and needing clothes, I will use the same standard of measurement that you did with people. The same standard of measurement. If we live to give, God will see to it that we receive. If you're thinking, you know what, my life's not blessed I'm not getting anything out of life. You need to understand the same measurement principle. You're not investing anything. You're not investing anything in your marriage, in your relationships, in your work, in your retirement, in your finances, in church, in kingdom work. You're not investing anything. It's called the rate of, it's called a return on your investment. So the good news is, You can change the return on your investment today. It's really very simple. Just change the measure that you use with other people. If you want your marriage to be better, go home and give to your spouse. If you want your children to be better, go home and give to your children. If you want your work to be better, if you want your relationship with God to to be better, it's the same measurement principle. Now listen, this is good news because you get to control that. You get to control it. However much you want to give, however much you want to invest, not in your country, not necessarily in your financial future, however much you want to invest in church, however much you want to invest in relationships, however much you want to invest in God, God says, listen, it's real simple. You're going to get the same return on your investment that you give. And then God illustrated that. Like I said, 90% of the times that word give is used in reference to what God has done. So he said, let me show you what this return on investment looks like. For God so loved the world that he gave. There's that word. He gave his one and only son. He gave everything. He gave everything. Why would he do that? Because he wants a return on his investment. He wants us to return and love him and give to him and give our lives to him. So here's the good news today. If you give your life to God, you're going to be so blessed. If you give your life to God, I'm not saying the rest of your life's going to be peachy keen and you're not going to have any struggles. I would never say that. But when you give your life to God, you will live a blessed life. 
Immediately, your sins will be forgiven. Immediately, you stand right with God. Immediately, your relationship with God is where it needs to be. You stand justified and righteous because of Jesus Christ. Immediately, your life is blessed because you've given your life to God. And then as you live each day, your life's going to be better and better. Because Jesus is going to make sure your life is better. God's going to fill you with His Spirit. So you're going to treat people differently. And you're going to speak differently. And you're going to dress differently. And you're going to act differently. And you're going to watch different shows because you've given your life to God. And when you give your life to God, God says, I'm going to use the same standard of measurement to bless you. Wouldn't you like God to bless your life today? I mean, I'd love for your life to be so overwhelmed with blessings in 2016 because you give your life to God. And it's in your control. And that's good news. You get to decide the standard of measurement. And Jesus says, listen, pay attention. This is good news. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You can change your life today very simply. Give. Give your life to others. Give your life in ministry. Give your life in service. Would you give your life to God today? It's really pretty simple, and a lot of people want to fight that. I don't want to give my life to God. I'll give some of my life to God. I'll give some of my money to God. You know, I'm not going to be baptized. I'm not going to do that. Everything you hold back, God says, let me use that same standard of measurement with you. What better way to end this year than for you to give your life to God? To be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. To have Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus, wash your sins away. What better way to end this year than to have the shepherds pray for you and have the shepherds offer you up before the throne of God just to say, you know what, God, I want next year to be better. I want to give more to you next year. If you need to respond to the invitation in any way, please do so as we stand and sing.